0: welcome and thank you for joining us on the instructor podcast Where every week we're joined by experts and innovators leaders and game changers so we can hold a mirror up at the instructor industry and see where we can improve and raise our standards so if you're ready we'll make a start So Thanks for joining us today on this first ever Instructor Podcast episode. If you've heard the trailer, you know what the podcast is about, so I'm not going to waffle on too much, but the the essence of this is that we're looking for ways that we can raise standards within the driver trading industry, things we can do to improve. Now, some of these topics will be a little bit controversial because there's a lot of people that disagree with them. However, What I'm looking to do is bring in experts and innovators, leaders and game changers, both from inside our industry and outside to offer opinions and thoughts on things we can do different. Again, to raise standards up, to hold a mirror, look at ourselves and raise standards. And we're going to cover a wide variety of topics. Now, as I said, I'm not an expert in any of these areas. However, I know some people that are and they're going to be joining us. Now, we're joined today by Bob Morton. Now, Bob's been in the industry for decades, and he's a coaching specialist. He's a very successful coach, and he's coming in to share his wisdom on coaching. Now, I know this is a controversial topic because I see it spoken about a lot. You know, you'll get the, the coaching brigade, who massive advocates champion it and say there's nothing else. You'll also get the other people that are completely against it, who want to remain as instructors and dictate and tell people what to do. I think what this episode is aimed at, is more the people in the middle, the ones that are maybe looking to a change and looking to improve. So let's make a start and let's listen to Bob and listen to his insights. (laughs) Okay, so thank you for joining us today on The Instructor talking about health, self and wealth. And today we are joined by the fabulous Bob Morton. How are I, you doing, Bob? All okay? No, the fabulous Bob Morton. What an intro that is. The fabulous wow. Bob Morton. Well, I'm speaking of <laughs> speaking of introductions, um, I debated for a while as to whether to actually introduce my guests and talk a bit about their background or whether to let you guys introduce yourself. And I opted to let you introduce you because I thought that's a good option for you to say what you think is relevant and for me to pick the bones on it. Um, what I've got you to talk about today is coaching primarily. So if you just tell us a little bit about your background, your journey to where you are now, and actually kind of what you're doing now.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Well, good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever time it is in the world where you are. Hello. The um, My name is Bob Morton. Um, became an ABI um, 1989 on a training license, qualified in 1990. Um, ran a well, worked with a small driving school, uh, then had a school of my own. Joined LDC Learner Driving Centers in 1991 uh, as an instructor, became team leader, instructor trainer, trainer trainer, so on and so forth. Then I was director of training. So, being with LDC for 30 years, in that time, um, I became a qualified teacher, qualified assessor, internal verifier, uh, coaching at level three and level five. Um, and I've written and developed training programs and LDC now, we've had something that like just, it's 3,000 AVI's through our, through our training package um, and I've launched, the, I've done the induction training for all of those, uh, just about all of those, those instructors that have come through so I've done just about every job in the company so I've been around a bit um, I'm due to retire this year from LDC from, stepping down as, as director of training um my replacement is already in harness the uh, the wonderful Mr. Stuart Ricard. um super talented great guy um, so I know I'm handing things over in the safe hands I'm not gonna retire retire I'll still be doing my own thing which I'm doing you know alongside all of that client-centered learning so uh coaching is my big thing but the minute I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to if you like spread the word to as many as I can through my uh, through my subscription service this plug <laughs> um, so that's me. Is that, is that, does that cover everything? I suppose, like everybody else, when coaching was first mooted, um, I rolled my eyes and thought, oh, think, uh, here's "Another, another bloomin' fad from the DVSA We'll get bored of this." Anyway, they didn't. So I was sort of, if you like, designated representative to find out a bit more about this. And the uh, the videos that you see of me on YouTube are really just. They were the early stages of it in my experimentation, you know, my journey into coaching. Uh, you know, I did like everybody else did, read a load of books, attended some courses and came away from it, really fired up and enthused and thinking, hey, and then got to the point in the
0: end and found it too difficult. Sounds so this- good. So there's a lot to pick up there. But I think the first thing I want to ask you is tell me about that, that training course that you're doing now. What's, what's that?
1: Um, well, I'm running it's It's, it's a subscription service. Uh, i pitched it at 20 quid, nineteen ninety nine 99 a month. Um, it's evolving as we go along. And, and basically, the, the people who are on it get different things out of it. Some people just want to come to the workshops that we do every week, where we do like lesson evaluation, failure analysis, um, that kind of stuff. Or sometimes I'll do a presentation on something and we'll have a discussion. Sometimes it's a general Q&A. Other people just want the online content that sits behind it. If They just want to you know, have a refresher for... For standard check at 19.99 a month think, well, why not? I'll give it a punt. If it's no good, I'll bail out. If you don't like it, you get your money back. Um, so some people want it just because it gives them extra access to me. They can just ask questions. and ask. So I'm, it's becoming lots of different things, which isn't what I thought it would, but it's, it's as with everything, you know, it, it sort of builds a life of its own. So it's, you can either have it as, or you can take all of those things. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether you're a brand new PBI, uh, whether you're a vastly experienced area, there is something in there for you from getting through part two and part three right to the other end, gaining your audit qualification. So the, the program is designed to be all things to all people.
0: Sounds good. Um, I think before we move into the coaches, I thought there is one more question I want to ask you because you spoke about you've been doing this since 1989. Can you remember when you passed your driving test, the actual driving test? September 1973. So a few years ago, and um, is is this something I'm interested. In? What what was the difference between the driving test then and now? Can you, you know, if you were to say it again now, what would the obvious differences be?
1: Well, obviously, I sat my motorbike test at the same time. But the, the, the main difference, I'll start. With, I'll start with the motorbike test. The um, I fell off during my test, but the guy just stood on a street corner with a clipboard, and I was on the other side of the block. So I just picked myself up, climbed back on, rode back around, and I passed. It was such a simple thing, such a basic examination, and I think the car test was pretty much the same. Um, it was whether you could drive, and I think part of that was because you know, to, to drive. So I sat my test in Triumph Herald, keeping the damn thing in a straight line was a test. <laughs> <laughs> there was hardly any traffic on the roads. Um, rush hour then was the equivalent of ten o'clock in the morning now, so the test was. It was a lot simpler. They weren't looking for as high a standard. Um, and as long as I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, as long as you didn't kill anybody, you got through. Because my driving was atrocious. I came away from that with a full license in your hand. and thought, you're a clown. Well, I didn't then. I thought I was bulletproof. And I yeah. was amazing, the the best driver ever to grace the planet. But looking back, it's a miracle I survived it. Absolute miracle. So I love the test now. It's a much, much more of a test than whether you can drive or not
0: good stuff um all right so moving on to coaching the the first thing I'm going to throw at you is actually a quote that I heard you say it's not an exact quote (laughs) I kind of nodded down but (laughs) yeah you basically said that and it's something I hear a lot as well actually that you'll get instructors that say well I'm doing client-centered learning I'm doing coaching because I asked my student what they wanted to do and they said you tell me because you're the instructor yeah and you were kind of relaying that back. And, and I think your response was, that's not coaching. That's yeah. not client-side learning. That's a cop-out. So, can you expand on what you mean by that? Because, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here slightly. Yeah. There will be people that think it's coaching because, or client learning, because the client has said, you tell me. So, the, you know, there's that side of it. So, what, you know, can you expand on that a little bit?
1: I can. I can. It's, it's, it's not going to be a short or a simple answer. That's, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So, we have, I mean, it cuts to the heart of what it's about. The, when it first came in, the DVSA talked all the time about coaching. And coaching was going to 2010. This was going to be the new thing, coaching. And they got a group of ADIs together in Nottingham, give them a bit of training, and let them loose. Um, unsurprisingly, you know, these guys were, because coaching is really free form and generally performed by people who don't know what the subject is, they're just asking questions to help the person they're dealing with come, come up with the answer. It was a bit freeform. So, lesson number two what do you want to do today? Fast moving around the birds. Oh, right. Well, let's have a go at that. Let's see what happens. Well, it's no surprise that some dodgy stuff happens. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it was in the hands of the wrong people. Then, of course, the Hermes project uh, and, and announced their final report and there was a piece of video that was with it, and I'm convinced this was the, the, the turning point for the DBSA. And there's a video in it there where the instructor says, right, listen, hey, we've got to get back to the office. Um, maybe I should drive. No, 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 I'll tell you what, you drive, but um, hey, come on, crack on, hurry up, come on, spit spot, spit spot. The pupil then goes to run through a stop line or a stop sign, and the instructor has to hit the brake. That then follows a lovely coaching conversation about what can be learned from that, but the DVSA will have looked at that and gone, whoa, no, 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 no! You have willfully put somebody into a dodgy situation, and everything that we do is about not putting people into dodgy situations. Our job is to manage the risk. So I think at that point, I went, "We're not keen on this coaching morality. What we need is something in between. Hence the term client-centered learning was was, and that's that's my theory. I don't know how how true that is. I don't know, but I'm convinced. Um, so that's where we've got you have to identify the people's learning goals and needs. But if you just let them do whatever they want, the examiner's gonna trust you and go, you shouldn't have done that. But in a pure coaching sense, you would say, well, okay, what's the advantages? What's the disadvantages? What's our options? What's the way forward? Right. Let's execute that and see what happens. Because you're not the expert. So the, the trouble comes when we enter a safety critical environment. You cannot let people just do whatever they want. Um, nor can you on the other end of the scale just let people, oh, well, I just want to carry on doing this. Yeah, but you're not going to learn anything from it. Yeah, but that's what I want to do. So it's a bit of a cop-out, and it's something that we we need to get ourselves over as an industry. It isn't just about letting the learner do whatever they want to do. We have an externally moderated test. So as a, as a team, we have to decide how are we going to meet all this criteria? What order should we do this criteria in? What level of help will you need from me? How will we determine what level of help? And if you look at the part three form, that's what it's about. The first line says, Did the trainer identify the people's learning goals and needs? Now, if you if you've done 20 minutes, I had somebody fail just you know not that long ago, that did a 20-minute segment on independent driving, which went unbelievably well. Pull over, have a little bit of a chat, so what do you want to do now? Or can we just do more of the same? And of course, the, the, the candidate said, Yeah, all right then. At the end they were massively criticized by the exam they said what did you do that for you were done with that why didn't you move it on or at least set a bigger challenge he said but that's what my people wanted to do so i'm being client-centered no you're not it's your job then as the driver training professional to say well we've done that now we need to be moving on so either i need to give you less help you need to set more of a challenge or we've been in that and moving on to something else so it's you know, I hear it, and sometimes people are being client-centered, but so I don't want to diss people who say that, but it, it, that we've got to really think about, well, who are we serving here? Are they really being helped? You know, oh, I just want you to tell me what to do. We have to find, why is that? Why do they want that? Is it a defense mechanism? It's a, it's a barrier because at school, coming up with ideas was was a negative experience. Their friends laughed at them. People pointed. The teacher berated them. That's what's generally underpinning it. So, what do you want to do with it? I don't know, you're the instructor, you tell me. It's a copy. They don't want to answer the question or they don't feel comfortable enough. And this is the general way they don't feel comfortable enough in that person's presence to bear their soul. Um, you know, it's really important. And the number one priority for a coach is to create the right environment, to create the rapport, to create the environment where the learner or the person you're trying to help doesn't fear judgment from you. And of course, to do fear judgment from us because we use ridiculously judgmental language. That was good, that was bad, that was better, that was worse. What should we work on? What should we try and get better? How are you going to do that better next time? What we should be talking about, if we really want to be coachy, is what's the outcome we're expecting from this exercise we're about to undertake? And then what's the outcome we got? Let's compare what we got with what we wanted. Is it different? Yeah, how different? How can we turn what we got into what we wanted? There's no judgment there. So this is critical, and because we don't understand it, we want to set fire to it. So yeah, I'm a good instructor, mate. That's I hear that all the time from people. Nobody said you weren't a good instructor. You're not very good at coaching.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: make a bad instructor if you're not good at coaching. <laughs> well, it's, that's a bit of a long-winded answer, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> um, no, I thought it was it was quite articulate, and and but again, there are some key things to pick up there. Uh, so I'll try and get these. What that one at a time? Because one thing that, that interested me, it's like I say, you ask what the, the student wants and they tell you. That doesn't always mean it's the best thing, you know. And, and often it's why they want that thing. And I'm going to give an example of something that I did here. when I made a mistake as an instructor. And this is admittedly going back a few years. but I had a student and they wanted to do. I struggle with the word rural, rural. So I'm going to say country roads. <laughs> they wanted to do country roads, and we'd done like we'd done them, and they were fine on them. And I asked them why, and they were the answer they gave me was because um, they were a bit stressed from home and they enjoyed doing country roads and they found them relaxing. Mm. That was to me, oh, yeah, let's do that then. That was a cop out for me. I'm just like that. Yeah. The next lesson, I want to do the same, and I think it happened for two or three lessons, and I was just like, yeah, let's do this. This is easy for me. And I was an instructor, I was only I kind of gave myself a little bit of a kick up backside and digged into why and the reason why they wanted to keep doing these country roads was because in their head the next thing they were going to do was roundabouts and they were scared of roundabouts so it was nothing to do with I mean there probably was an element of the, the stress there as well at home and them enjoying country roads because it is a nice drive but it was the fear of the next thing and it was only by actually delving into that and asking why that you get that and you know I'm an instructor, you are, and I'm sure there's a lot of instructors listening that have had that, where that, that student or that customer says, you tell me you're the instructor. And I, mean, I find I... there's, there's, lot
1: the no, there's lots of things that go with that. You're the instructor, you tell me, you're all right. So I want to just do current roads. Why do you want to do that? Straight away, we're on the back foot. Oh, if we say, what are you hoping to gain from that? What are we aiming to achieve? What's the outcomes we're looking for? It's very different to why, because if you say a why to somebody, they instantly want to defend that position. Ah, well, 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 that's because what I want to do. So I'm stressed with what? And, so, and it's just a whole lot of psycho babble comes out, rather than just say, "Well, what do we hope gain from that? Is that useful to us in terms of our development?" Let's have a little look. And I, we have a you know LDC, we have a, the LDC workbook. Shameless plug here, but at the start of it, we have a lesson matrix. At the skill level, there's all the lessons. So if we want to, you know, if we're at this skill level. And we're wanting to do stuff up here what are we hoping to gain from that what's the plan so out of these do you not think it would be useful or would it be useful to you to do one of these do you think oh well, yeah or i might say okay so we've got to here here's the rest of our program it's a little chat about what are we going to do these things in what makes you place it in that order is there something that maybe you prefer that over that if so what so i'm never using why i'm never putting them on the rack I mean, it took me the longest time to learn this And like I said, when I look back at those early videos now on the YouTube stuff, like, oh my God. So what we did was we tried to force the thing by tying the hands, no instruction allowed. And I was as clumsy as hell, I was all over the place. And I used to just throw back at the learner, what do you think, what do you think? And much to my amazement, the learning really started to happen very quickly. And I was forced to admit, not at the time, because I wouldn't, because I'm a good instructor, me. After that, I was forced to realize that my instruction actually was getting in the way. I was preventing learning happening by superimposing my way of doing it onto somebody else. Because we learn, because we we create synapses in our brain, it's our map of the world, when we compare what we know with this new information, learning happens. If somebody superimposes their so there's a myriad of connections in our brain, billions of these connections, and every human being on the planet, that connection map is, is radically different. So if I use my map and try and force them anyone something, that's still not going to work. Not as effectively as it would if they search for the thing. So I always want my questioning to start conversations. Why isn't the conversation started? Um, you know, I, I'll, 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 a, a technique that I use if I'm stuck by something to say, or if I can't find my way through it without a judge, I'll say, well, that's interesting. What made you say that? What made you do that? What makes you think that? I'm never saying why. Uh, or I'll go, oh, tell me more about that. I've yet to meet somebody who goes, no. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> telling you anything. <laughs> because it's a real order. It's, it's a rapport creating question. Um, but it's it's our questioning needs to be about trying to understand what they understand. And there's a fantastic poem written by a guy called Soren Kierkegaard. It's about 200, years old now. And it starts with that, before you can help someone, you've got to understand what they understand. If you don't, you start from the wrong place. And if you start from the wrong place, it's difficult to get the way you want to go. Yeah,
0: it's it's interesting you say that, because one thing that sticks out for me from from when I trained to be an instructor, and this probably isn't true 100% of the time, but I think it's true a lot of the time, is that as an instructor, when the learner makes a mistake, really, that's their mistake when they make the same mistake a second time that's my mistake if they're repeating the mistake that's more on me than them and I think that largely as an industry as you've just said we're very defensive and 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 we don't like holding that mirror up and looking at ourselves and what we could do differently so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that
1: well I think one of the easy ways to sort of describe this to look at my journey through it and it was there came a point where I tried to avoid judgment language um, and it became, it became difficult. Let's start to try and analyze, why am I finding this difficult? And it's because I was raised in the industry by the DVSA on that old part three test. And the old test was based upon the examiner pretending to be a learner driver and making mistakes or faults, as they were called, And if they were left uncorrected, they could possibly become dangerous. Your job was to find it and fix it. So you had to find the fault, (laughs) you had to analyse the fault, and then you had to put some remedial action in place. So that's how we're trained. We're trained in a fault-based world, and that everything's around that. You've made a mistake there. This is why that's a problem. Here's how you're going to fix it. I'm going to talk you through it. Then I'm going to prompt you. Then you're going to have a go on your own. So it's the old educational way of doing things. And it's very difficult when you have been in that world where it's all about finding the faults and fixing the faults. I think, you know, when when you, you start reading stuff about, you've got to remove judgmental language. You can't say a fault. You can't say a mistake. Well, how the hell else am I supposed to help them to learn? And you know, so well the will. And well, no, no, how can they learn? You know, it's impossible if I've not taught them how to do it. That was another strand. People can work it out for themselves because people are super smart. So once we start getting into the newer way of doing things, which is about getting the learning out rather than putting the learning in. If you've not been trained to do that, or you've not practiced that, it becomes extraordinarily difficult. So we start using things that we've made a mistake, there's a fault there. I need to find the fault. So if we can switch to outcomes, it's a game changer. What's the outcome we're expecting here? Okay, let's look at the outcome we got. Let's compare the two. How are we gonna turn that into that? What level of help do you want from me? Um, so it can become really, really difficult. But, you know, as soon as you start using words like fault and mistake, people climb up on you. And they just sit back and, and wait to be educated. the wait to be instructed. There's also that that perception, of course. That's what driving lessons are. You go along, you sit next to a driving instructor, you make some mistakes, they spot them and fix them. Where it's, you know, there's no need to work that way. It happens quicker if you just stop talking about it. And it, it's it's amazing the conversations you can have if you just structure them the right way. And if you use the right kind of language and I'll give you an illustrator of that. This is a scenario I normally use. Find somebody that you disagree with on Brexit. And we've all got a friend that we disagree with on Brexit. And the next time a conversation starts where you're just about to raise your finger and you know, dig it into their ribs, just stop yourself for a second and just say, that's interesting. What made you say that? Or what made you think that? What makes you think that? Um, Or tell me more about that. And you'll start to understand what they understand, which might just change your mind about their position. Once you gain understanding of it, it's not because they're a racist or they're an idiot. (laughs) It's because I've just given away my position on (laughs) Brexit. It's not because of that. It's because they believe this because of, and that's because of, you've got a chance now of changing that person's way of thinking with a nice conversation about stuff. Well, oh, that's interesting. They're then probably gonna say to you, well, well, why Why do you think what you think? And it's, it's how the world's problems are solved. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's about setting expectations at the start, creating the right environment. And then when I first met Christian Van Nieuwen, we, we, we were searching them for expertise. And he invited us down to London at the University of East London. And we spent a day with him. It was phenomenal. But his opening gambit with me was coaching. It's dead simple. It's a relationship and it's a conversation. And at the time I thought, what's he on about? <laughs> That's nonsense, man. How am I going to fix the faults for that? <laughs> but over a period of time, and it did take a lot of time, and I didn't buy into it at the beginning. Um, I just thought, well, this is just nonsense. That's ridiculous. Instruction is the best way to do it. Well, it's not. It isn't. It never has been. But our, our systems are built on the old educational system. And that was born in the Middle Ages, where education was done by monks who carried a book around, stuck it on a plinth, and read to an assembled throng that was sat cross-legged around them. That was education. You come in, sit down, shut up, and listen. And it works for some people, but not for others. So what do we do with the ones that it doesn't work with? Where well, they're obviously dummies. So let's get rid of them. That's where, and we do the same things. Old people take longer. Women are, are, are better at this, blokes are better at that. It's, you know, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. If we if we work in their terms, that they, they, they learn at a very, very rapid pace. So we're very good at pigeonholing things and we're very good at railing against it and saying, well, that's just nonsense. That. Um, if we just relax for a second and just think, well, I wonder what would happen if I tried that, then give it a go and see what happens. As long as you're managing the safety end of it, You know, then then you're right, you can't take a lesson number two and go on the motorway. You know, you just you've got to think about it and have a proper conversation about well, how are we structuring this? That's what the risk management's about. It's not about a three-minute speech at the start.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and when we're talking there about mistakes, I could hear thirty-five thousand ADIs saying, "But if they make a mistake and I can't tell them they made a mistake, how can we correct the mistake?" But then, like you've gone on to say, you know, you talk about the feelings behind it. It's not saying you're not allowed to speak about the mistake. Ooh, no one's saying really. that. It's just, just call it a mistake. Yeah, it's the terminology and asking how people feel about it and asking for their opinion on it. You know, generally learners know when they've done something right or wrong, don't they?
1: They do. Right, it's, it's interesting what you say there, Tony. It, it, it's something I want to I pick up on a little bit. It's, we're going to find out what they feel, what they think. Now, when i first came across that i thought all right what so get the sofa out and lie on just lie on in. and tell me about your relationship with your father it's not that but as as ABI's who are against coaching think it is our behavior and that's what we're talking about here when we're driving it's, it's it's behavior our behavior is driven by what we think and what we feel so if we want to change the behavior the only way you're going to do that is change the way people think or feel about it now that doesn't mean you've got to get all touchy-feely in new world and all that sort of stuff. It's just, let's look at the outcomes we were expecting. So if you've got an outcome that you're expecting, you can compare. Is that the outcome we were expecting? What was different about it? Um, that's the classic one, it's the questions we ask as well. So if you want a game changer, think about your questioning. Make your questions more powerful. Make your questions based upon gaining understanding. So if I've got somebody, and we've all been in this scenario where you're approaching a reasonably fast mover around about. You look across, there's that cold icy stair to the front and the knuckles have gone white. You know what's coming next. So if you didn't intervene, they'd have gone over that in a straight line without slowing down or without looking. So we ask the question, how can we make that better? You know the answer to that. Well, you know, take a bit of observation. Slowing down might help. Maybe your lower gear, the clutch up. Maybe some observation before we cross the giveaway line, and a bit of steering wouldn't have hurt either. You learn nothing from your question, but if I say what was going through your mind as you approach that roundabout About what were you feeling? What were you thinking? They're going to say something like, well, I'm "Bloody terrified, terrified a what?" Or from the other angle, if I want to use a question, I'll say stuff like, "How are you deciding whether to go or not?" Now I don't know the answer to that question, and a conversation is surely going to follow which will probably help us as a pair, not me fixing it, not, But what we're just discussing stuff. Right, what can we do about that? So, you know, I've inputted that. I'm aware of the surroundings and the pupils actions because I brought it up um, after the event rather than before potentially. But if I was having to jump in before, come on, slow down, slow down, slow down. We're still gonna have that conversation. Uh, what's the, what, let's have a little look at our, our, our outcome there. What was, you know, what was, what was there about it that was what we were expecting? So stuff about it that we weren't expecting? Let's look at how we can turn what we weren't expecting into what we're expecting next thing. What's that gonna like? What level of help are you gonna want from me? That now puts together a new plan. Was the lesson plan adapted when appropriate to help the people know, work towards their learning goals? Because the learning goals that we're working on are constant and they evolve in every minute of every lesson, always. It's not about that speech at the start, which then means we've got to put together a new set of goals and a new plan and the cycle repeats itself, that's how people learn, we're hardwired to learn that way. Kolb's experiential learning cycle, David Kolb and Ronald Fry, look it up, if you haven't seen it, it's fascinating. That's how human beings are hardwired to learn, we experience something, we reflect upon it, we review, we think about what will would do next day, and we execute that new plan. If that works, great, we store it away, if it doesn't, we look for something else. We're, we're wired to learn that way. If we fit that pattern as ADIs, the learning, happens at at least twice the speed
0: wow, yeah that's really another long winded answer <laughs> no but they're all useful because i think what you've kind of touched on there almost inadvertently is 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 the difference between attitude and skill you know and and that's something i i run a, a facebook group for my my learners and it's something i talk about a lot in there in i'll get people on the first lesson i'll i'll ask them what have your friends told you? What have your parents told you? Or what are you worried about? And the number of people that say hill starts mm-hmm. and will do a hill start. And, and generally, the people that are worried about hill starts will struggle with hill starts. The people that aren't worried about them won't struggle. So I would say a lot of the time, driving isn't even a skill issue. The skill is at times, or a lot of times, it's relatively straightforward. Absolutely. It's the attitude, it's the attitude of the car behind you at a roundabout being too close or beeping so you're then trying to pull out into an unsafe space because you think you should go or the attitude of mum and dad saying you learn to drive when you pass your test oh god yeah that old chestnut, yeah
1: and it's but the problem is it's actually true because what we do is we get we get herded towards a test and we get through it and then we start learning different ways of doing things and that's what they're talking about you gain experience but what we need to do It's to take them through a whole series of structured experiences and conversations following them that help them evaluate the outcomes of their efforts and hardwire their way of doing things into their map of the world inside their head. Because it was their idea, they were involved in the conversation and they can see the merits of it, they're not going to change the way they do it. And I see people 20 years later, after passing their test, they put them in for part two training sometimes, and they haven't got mastery of the clutch. And they'll tell you, oh, I don't like junctions. I don't like this. It's not, it's not junctions that learner drivers don't like for the ABIs out there that think it is that way. It's stopping and starting they don't like. And they'll do anything but stop. Yeah. How many of you have got learner drivers that'll do anything but stop? That's clutch control. Because what we do is, because we think that's the way we do it, we we spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever, on clutch control, and then we're out on the real roads. If we haven't got clutch mastery, you should not be on the main road. You should be nowhere near it. That learner needs to understand how to control that car at varying speeds on different gradients. And the only way they're going to do that is by a series of experimentation and working out what works for them. Um, and all we need to say is, okay, what's our, what we're we going to do this day. If they say, to so, well, okay, here's some options. And this is the way to get yourself into coaching. What do you want to do? I don't know. Well, here's some options. Choose one of those. All right, I think I'll let you go of that. Eventually, when you're staying... What do you want to do changes from I don't know to what's my options, and then what's my options changes to I've been thinking about this. What I'd like to do is that's when you know you've got it. What I'd really want from this session. And for most of my training now, and there's, there's there's none of them recorded it, there will be once we're allowed back out, hopefully next week, um, or the week after Um I'm gonna record some because all I do now is that when somebody gets in, I'm just what's the plan today? and they've got detailed plans because they know it is their processor and they're excited about making plans because they know they're gonna develop quickly and they know that they don't need me. I'm a facilitator of learning. I'm there to ask questions to pose different scenarios to them perhaps and to help them evaluate the outcomes. I am of course also, I do have a different hat to wear, a safety hat Where I will intervene if I need to, if there's anything, you know, impact on somebody's safety. If I do do that, and this is another key one, We'll have a conversation about what we learn from it. That conversation is never about whose fault it is, which is what I I observe in most AVI's that I sit in the back of. We talk about who's to blame. Mm. And we can blame the other, oh, it was that other road user. All right, that's okay then. So we have no part to play in it. So if we start asking the kind of questions that open up conversations, we're in business.
0: Yeah, and and from my experience there, um, I think the reason a lot of learners say the things they do is because they don't always know the answer and i'm I'm going to kind of give a slightly different example here as well um and again me and you're in facebook groups we probably see people talk about this a lot it's the question that we ask as is why is the first question a student always ask is how much your lessons well what else are they going to ask they don't know what to ask isn't
1: it they don't know what else to ask yeah
0: so how much of that Do you think it is is relevant? The the guy's not actually knowing what to to ask or what what to do or what to answer.
1: Well, I think it's it's very relevant. It it cuts right from our very first interaction with them when the phone up, how much is it? What's your class rate? So, ABI's who get annoyed at that and say, well, okay, you know, find something that you don't know about and ring somebody to talk about it. What are you going to say? And i say, what, what made you ask that question? Well, because I don't know about it. Right, okay. So now do you see where your learner's are? All right. So through that little interaction, getting them to think, you know, look at it from a different angle. All right, now I've got a bit of understanding about why the learner would ask that. So whose responsibility is it to manage that conversation? Who has the expertise? Oh, it's me. Right, okay. So next time somebody says to you, how much is it? Could you answer that a different way? Now, if they say to me, I don't know, the classic answer. i say, well, here's some options. Go away and try some of those. And then the next time we come back, which one of those options work best for you? So I am gonna do that all the time. Have you thought of any other ways you could do that? So I'm just through a conversation and this is what we need to do all the way through with the learners. Most of them are 17. They haven't got a lot of life experience. They've got a lot of knowledge inside them. They're 17 years of experience and stuff, but what else are you gonna ask your driving instructor? You know, what grade are you? They don't know about the grading system. Are you on a training license or you're a green badge? They don't know about that either. How long have you been doing the job? That seems a little too forward. Are you any good? They're not going to ask that, are they? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of having driving lessons. You're not shit, you are you? <laughs> Nobody's going to ask that, are they? So they ask the one thing they can ask how much is it? So, you know, I'm generally more expensive than the people around me. So they'll say, how much is it? Well, I can answer that question, but let me find out a little bit more about you first. Are the lessons for you? Do you have any experience? Because that will have an impact on how many lessons it's going to take. I could probably cobble you a deal together based on your experience and the number of lessons you're going to need. So let me try and find out a little bit more about you. And then the conversations about them, already they're starting to buy in. I'm not just going, oh God, not this question again. And I'll never pick the phone up. Hello. The people who complain about their learners asking stupid questions generally don't answer the phone very well. So where are we now? It's 5 to 12, so I would, if, some, if I pick the phone up and I go, good morning, get yeah, through to Bob, how can I help? So they now know they're through to the right place. Um, so it's, it's important, you know, how can I help you? Uh, so we ask the right questions. And people are saying to me, well, how much is it? Well, what's the cheapest you found so far? And around here, it's generally 25. So if you want lessons with me, it's 35. What? So, well, okay, do you want cheap or do you want good value? Because they're not looking for cheap, they're looking for good value i say, well, my batting average to test is 22. So if you want to multiply 35 by 22, okay, your average instructor takes 47 hours to test. So if you want to multiply 47 by 20, all right. So, and then of course, I say, well, what if I don't make it in 22? Well, I'll train for three. What if this happens? What if I'm not happy with it? Give me your money back. Everything I do, no quibble money back guarantee. You don't like what I've done, just shout out. I've never been shafted yet. I'm not saying that I'm not going to be, but I haven't so far. Um, and if somebody does think that it wasn't worthwhile, i will give, give them their money back and look for a lesson for me to learn. So it's all in the, the questioning we ask. It, and that runs right through, not just answering the phone, but during lessons, you know, the classic scenarios, you know, too close to park cars. Yeah, you're close to parked cars again. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, but close these cars again. How much room should we leave between us and the parked car? Oh, it's it's um oh hang on, it's oh, it's a meter, isn't it? Yeah come on, you did it on your theory. Yeah, yeah, it's a meter, yeah. Was that a meter? I think so. And then come on, a bit further, a bit further, a bit further. That's it, that's where you need to be. See that windscreen wiper? Line that up with the side of the car, use the edges of the cars as the curb and do, do all that, and then inevitably they start drifting back towards it. Yeah, or the cut the right hand corner. You've cut the corner again. Oh, God. Uh, or the classic one, the one that I see instructors really struggle with. You've got a really ridiculously nervous learner traveling at 39 miles an hour on the national speed limit. And you say, Well, why are you traveling this speed? I feel safe. I feel safe at this speed. How many times have you heard that? Um, <laughs> so we say, well, come on, go a bit faster, a bit faster. Come on, we need to get up, we need to get up to speed a bit faster. And you go up in one mile an hour increments to about 49 <laughs> and stick there for a long time so the change in the question we ask why is that happening now if you say why are you doing that well they're going to back off and defend themselves but if I say so 39 so tell me about the speed you've chosen there you think that's the right speed to travel at I do what are you basing that on because I feel safe okay how many cars have overtaken us all of them Okay, look at the guy behind us now. Tell me what's going on in his mind now. He looks angry. Hmm. Looks impatient, doesn't he? Is he going to get the overtake right now that he's impatient? Or will that impact on his judgment? Hmm, probably will. Have we contributed to that? And the little light bulb goes on. Oh, crap, yeah. So by travelling at this speed, you're actually contributing to being unsafe on you. All right, okay. So the jump goes from 39 to 60 now. Or I might say, should we try 60? I've got your back. You can't come to any harm while I'm exit. Should we try 60 and see how that feels? And the technical will bang straight to it. Somebody cut in the right hand corner. I can bang on and on and on and on all day, putting my map of the world on top of theirs and hoping that they're gonna align somehow. But if I just say, how are you deciding when the turn?
0: So it's uh, uh, So it's, it's all important. about finding the why, the end, you end. know, and even if we go right back to them prices, it's why do you think that's expensive? You know, you don't have to ask that question, but there's a reason why they think that £30, £40, pound, whatever you charge now, there's a reason why that they think that's expensive. And, and part of the reason I raised that question was that was actually quite um, uh, a telling moment for me a few years back when I changed the way I answered questions like that. And I can't remember what made me change the way, but people would ask for prices, I'd tell them my prices, and then they'd moan about it. I'd say, right, we'll go somewhere else then. You know, and then I changed the way that I actually answered that question and, and told them why it's that price and explained, right, well, this is what you'd have to pay overall, you know, kind of went through it. And I started getting, I will not say more customers, but more of the customers that would have said no, because they were buying into me. They weren't just seeing a price, they were seeing me. And then the second thing that I found as a big benefit to that was when they came to lessons, because I'd been conversing with them, they felt Absolutely. like an element of trust already, almost like they Absolutely. knew me a little bit. Yeah. Because <laughs> the part of
1: call for an ADI generally is to go onto Facebook and bitch about them. These bloody pupils coming and <laughs> ringing me up on it. So, well, hang on a minute. Let's let's have a little look at what's happening here. So this is happening here. So is it them? Is it you? Let's have a little look at what's going on. Um other ADIs aren't having that problem. Why do you think that is? Well, they've got little bit in a different area, they've got better pupils there. So if we can turn the finger of blame, because if if the finger of blame is pointing at the learner, there's nothing to learn. If the finger of blame instantly points backwards at yourself, that's a game changer, big style. So you're going to think, well, did I contribute to that? Could I have done that a different way? How else could I have done that? What other options are available to me? And then try one or two of them. And as you say, you get that more of a bond from the word go. And they see that you're interested in them. So I ask people, did you sound interested in the people? What do you mean? Well, tell me, show me how you answer the phone. Well, hello. So straight off, I think, thinking, is this the driving school? Another another classic one, you know. Hello, is that the driving school? Yes, it is. Uh, uh, do you do lessons? That's a classic one. And ADIs get annoyed about it. Well, what, they don't know what to say. So they're just blurting stuff out. So if I say, it's afternoon there. Good afternoon, threw it to Bob. ADI clients are learning, how can I help you today? Now we know. Now, ADIs don't like that because I think it's in American and cheesy. And I always finish every call with, thanks for the call. Yeah. Even if they're not gonna buy from me I say, thanks for your customer or thanks for your inquiry. And I make a list of how many inquiries I get. And my aim is to have 100% conversion rate. I want all of my inquiries to become customers. If they don't, that's my fault because that person on the other end of the phone is looking to spend that money on driving lessons if they don't buy them with me. That is my fault, pure and simple. <laughs> Once we learn that lesson, it's a game changer. But it's not easy to go on Facebook and complain about them.
0: Yeah. I think what you've mentioned a couple of times throughout here is talking about a learn for us as instructors. Mm. And I think that's massive. I think that, and again, I'll, this is me being honest, when I first started, I'd often put the blinkers down. You know, the, it's their fault. They're, they're not picking up quickly because they're just a slow learner. Well, yeah. there may be an element of that. We can't hide from the fact that some people do pick up quickly than others. It's, it's human nature. However, I'm the one largely in charge of that. And every lesson now, when I... Slight tangent. When I first started, I would make my lessons as close together as I possibly could. I wanted to get my day over, with. day done, get home, tea on, whatever. I soon changed that and started making the gap between lessons a little bit longer because I wanted a little bit of time to reflect on that lesson and then prepare for the next lesson. So rather than having 10 or 15 minutes, I now up it to 45 to an hour. And that's not suitable for everyone, but for me, it gives me time to think, right, what could I have done different on that lesson to make that improve it? And you know, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes there's a lot, but I do think that we have to hold a mirror up to his own teaching, his own instructing his own coaching at times, and to think what could we have done different?
1: I think it's a, it's a very, very broad subject and a, and a, a one that, that we need to start paying attention to. Um, you know, the, the facts and figures came out recently. You know, there's a whole argument to be had here, but the school of mum and dad, actually, their pass rate was a teeny bit higher than ours was as professional ADIs. Um, there's a million, a million and one different reasons why that might be. And, and, you know, I've heard all the reasons. And, and I don't think as an industry we're serious enough about our own development. Now, I got interested in my own development. Once I saw that coaching worked and there was a better way of doing it than the than, it? but there was a more efficient and effective way of doing it, I started to look at my own development. And when we look at CPD, we think we instantly think about I'll go on a course, I'll read a book. I'll listen to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> but, but it's not just that we need to start looking at the fundamentals what's our dairy management like we should experiment with different working patterns and see which gives us the ability to be the most effective the most up the most vibrant the most coachy we've got to look at our sleeping patterns our eating pattern what sort of food are we eat driving and stuff is notorious for eating Mars bars and pasties because you need a pasty in between lessons. It's the worst food in the world. <laughs> so start thinking about having porridge in the morning. And if you're going to have some extra food, you know, have otty type stuff, have stuff that, that, that's slow release. Don't eat Mars but you get an energy hit from that, but it's gone in 20 minutes. So start thinking about do you wind down in between lessons? What, what's your relaxation techniques like? Look at your breathing, look at your hydration level. Traditionally, we're not hydrated enough because we don't wanna be overhydrated because you need to turn it all the time and that's a bit of a pain, isn't it? But we're, we're made up of about 82 to 85% water. So if you're even slightly dehydrated, you don't function properly. And I do a, a conquering anxiety and stress course and it's a big thing is hydration and sleeping patterns. You've got to set yourself up to be able to do that. Then look to get some extra qualifications, but look at what you've got already. How can you make the best of what you've got? And it can make a radical difference being the right level of hydration on board and the right the right level of sleep. So start looking at your working patterns. You know, we, we, I know an awful lot of ADIs who get home at the end of the lesson, a day full of lessons, pour themselves a beer or a glass of wine, and they're asleep before they've finished it because they're knackered. They've done all the thinking, all the planning. Start getting your learners through that kind of stuff. Start looking at your working pattern. Are you hurting yourself with this? You should absolutely and utterly thrive and enjoy this job. If you're not, you're not doing it right. And I don't mean the technical instructions, though. Your working patterns are not suit you. You've really got to look at it. That's the first protocol for CPD is, is to look at your working patterns. Can can you get a more energy from yourself through the day? Can you start to enjoy it a bit more? I, I I I talked to professional drivers as well as ADIs. And I'll say, do you enjoy doing instruction of do you enjoy driving? I used to, I hear that a lot. I used to, what's changed? Well, it's, and it's always somebody else's fault. It's never yeah. them. Okay, let's have a little look at how you're doing the job then. Is that how you started doing the job? I well, no? know what's different about it now. Oh, I've crammed extra less than weren't there now. What's that bringing you? What's the benefits, what's the disadvantages? um so it's it's really thinking a bit broader and a bit wider
0: and I, I think that's sorry I think that's more important than ever at the moment with lessons about to resume again with the the, the backlog of tests and the, the I mean we're all feeling it now we're all getting those messages can you start me can you start my instructor can't take me to test can you take me you know we're all getting those now it's it's so tempting to to make what is it make here while the sunshine. shines I'll get all of these lessons in but you know, it's going to have an impact. And I think it's, it's important as an industry that we, I'm not saying don't do an extra few hours. I'm saying it's important as an industry to, to manage that diary correctly now. And, and not to think, let's do 60 hours just to try and get the money back up.
1: Well, I think what we need to do is we need to practice what we preach. And yes, there's going to be a, a huge glut of work, but we need to look at the part three form and draw some parallels with what's going to be different when we go back to work. Are you going to just do the same as you did before, but do more hours in a day, end up burnt out, and then feeling a little bit bleh about the job again a little while? Or are you going to set yourself some goals? I want to try and enjoy the job more. Right, how are we going to do that? Let's have a little look at your working pattern. Okay, there's going to be extra demand. How are you going to deal with that demand? People just think, well, you've got to take those lessons. No, there's not enough instructors to go around. There's not going to be. So what you need to do is to start creating a waiting list. Now, not all of them are wait on a waiting list, but some of them will. And once you've got demand outstripping supply, then you can look to get your prices a bit higher. Um, but still building, you've got to look at the whole picture. What do you want from the job? Make a list now as we, as we wait for the announcement from good old Boris tomorrow as to whether we can go back a week tomorrow. What do you want from the job? What hours do you want to work? What sort of money do you want to earn? How do you want to feel when you get home—knackered, burnt out, or still full of enthusiasm, so you can not kick the dog and be nice to your misses and kids? Yeah. Look at the whole thing. Look for look for change. If you could change anything about the job and what it brought you, what would that be? Right. There's your first goal. How are you going to do it? If you don't know how to do that, seek some help from people who can help you with that kind of thing. Um, you know, and and look to build. More fun from the job going forward and more money and more enjoyment.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I, I do want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about sort of the school of mum and dad in comparison to the mm-hmm. us, uh, us adi's and PDIs. Um, and you did say something quite interesting there as well, and that you, you said you then heard all the reasons as to why that, that pass rate was higher. And I thought that was really telling because I saw, I forget, I saw it on Facebook, I think somewhere straight away people were saying why no one was saying all right what can we do different it was like 90% of people were saying oh well it's because of this it's because of this and yeah there are going to be mitigating factors no one's saying that every ADI is a bad ADI and that school of mum and dad is perfect and and from my opinion I know I've said this to you before from my opinion I do think a large part of that is the number of hours you do with mum and dad as opposed to the number of hours you do just on lessons however that's still an excuse from me that's still my go-to excuse. Well, let's let's have a little look at what's happening during those hours with
1: mom and dad. I would venture the opinion that for the most part, they're left to work stuff out for themselves. Yeah. When they're with the ADIs, for the most part, they're being told what to do and told what to think. We learn when we make connections. We experience things. We reflect. We do school of mom and dad. Generally, not always. I'm, you know, I'm not. Saying, I don't want. I don't want anybody to think that I, I think ADIs are idiots. No, far from it, you know. <laughs> but we've got to look at what is it we're doing. I would expect the pass rate for ADIs to be a minimum of twenty percent higher. A minimum of twenty percent higher. Somebody asked the question when I was doing the thing with with Howard, uh, which I really enjoyed. On it, if you haven't seen it, get yourself to the driving instructor instructor surgery and watch it. it was fascinating. An hour, hour and a bit, I think, with Howard. With somebody asked the question, why is the pass rate so low? I don't know, what, what's your pass rate? <laughs> why, is, why is yours low? If we all work on getting our pass rate high, but we don't, because it's somebody else's fault. Well, they took the test on a Thursday. Well, that's that examiner. That examiner doesn't like me. I hear this all the time. Nobody ever stops and thinks, well, hang on a minute. What can I do about that? What's my options? What could I try to see if that can make a difference? But we point the finger of blame somewhere else because it's convenient, because then we don't have to think about it. You know, and, and it's it's tied in with the whole the whole approach we have, where instructor knows best and it's just a case of a one-way lecture, and then you know, gradually passing the responsibility to them. We're the last bastion of telling people what to do. <laughs> the rest of education and training has moved on, and we need to catch it up quick, because that's so old hat, it's frightening. And if I mean, you don't know how to do it. You know, because you're not coaching, doesn't make you a bad person, or just maybe a little bit scared to dip my toes in a while. We go to a course, we read a book, we try it, and it doesn't really work very well. If you've got to persist. It's hard, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah, and I think from my perspective, the role of an ADI has changed. Mm-hmm. I think it has. It used to be an instructor. We still called instructors, but I don't believe it's an instructor anymore. I mean, I'm just—I might lose some people here, but just to use a football analogy, Alan Shearer, brilliant striker in his day. You don't get in Liverpool team today. You don't get in Man City team today. It's a different role, and I think that the role of the ADI is changing a similar way. It has become a coach, and you're someone that works with a lot of ADIs, PDIs, connect that has done over the years. The like you say, you've got your training courses, you've got your group, you, you connect with different ADIs and PDIs every day. How do you think the uptake to coaching is met? How much resistance is there? How much welcoming is there from sort of? I know you can't speak for everyone, but from what no. from what you see? Well,
1: well, first, I'm going to take exception with Alan Shearer. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be more ill of Alan Shearer he can get any, anywhere in the world for the next thousand years. How we? will not. Nothing <laughs> said against the Lord God Alan Shearer. However, um, ship manager. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's back to what we we're talking about earlier, isn't it? Really, it's it's the unknown. We're, we're not familiar with it. We're, we're I was going to say we're scared of it. I suppose we are a little bit. Um, and it seems a little foreign, and it just seems to jar against everything that we we, we should be doing. Um, and it, it it hurts us because. You're not going to use all that knowledge and skill that you developed most of the time, so we feel a bit devalued. And I remember feeling this when I was, I was, you know, in the early stages when I was getting into it, and getting to the end of lessons and thinking, I don't really feel like I've done anything there, uh, and thinking that, oh, that wasn't really right. How do I, you know, I, I couldn't justify charging the money then. It, it's there. There are a million and one different reasons, and I, I've heard them all. I've I've had something like three and a half thousand people through my standards check workshops. Uh, over the years. And it's the same thing all the time. Well, you can't do that with my peers. And I used to say, yeah, yeah, you're probably right yeah." yeah." I don't say that now. I throw down the challenge. I say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you the next pound you make against the next 10,000 that I do, that if you give me 15 to 20 minutes with that person, I can open them up. Because people don't want, people want to be coached. They don't realize it, but we're hardwired to work this way. If we ask the right, if we create the right environment, and we ask the right questions, now I'm sure I'm going to get burned one of these times, where I'm going to meet somebody who's so <laughs> conditioned by life that, that it doesn't work. I had it, I'll come back. Guy called George, interesting experience. I'll come back and remind me if I forget. So I see resistance, and it's mostly fear based. We don't understand it, so we want to set fire to it. Um, but what I can promise you is, if you just allow yourself to get into it you will have the most wonderful time because the the effects of it go way beyond the environment in the car. For a lot of these people, it's the first time somebody has genuinely, genuinely been interested in what they have to say and wrapped everything about them. It gives them a feeling of being special, um, that their opinion matters. And they start to see that, well, hang on a minute. Um, I've seen this so many times that I'm worth more than the world thinks of. And then the reality, I'm worth more than I thought I was. I am actually quite smart. I can do Bobby Joe Turner, the first girl I was doing this with. I made such a mess of those videos. I look back now, those videos made me cringe. But it was a journey into learning about it. On the journey back from test, I was wasting 20, 25 minutes at the start of every lesson just trying to get going. She's had 22 hours and 40 minutes, most of which I've wasted. And she's done it on her own. She says to me, I'm not as stupid as people think I am. That's so what makes you say that? This is on the journey. It's up on there on YouTube. She said, well, I've, I've done this myself. You've done it yourself, have you? She went, yeah. I asked you a question. You just say, well, what do you think? So yeah, I've worked it out on my own. She said, in fact, I've got a friend who's learned to be a driving so and I've told him it's that easy. Just don't answer people's questions. Now, from the mouths of babes and this. And now, she learned all of that mostly on her own because my hands were tied because no instructions. So I look back on it now and say, so she realizes from this, uh, I had a conversation with her. I said, You want to come back and do Pass plus? No, I don't need it. <laughs> That's what I mean. So I've downloaded the curriculum off the internet and I've taught myself to do it. Like I did I was learning the drive, you know. It's the me insurance is going to be any cheaper. So there's no point. Thanks though, Bob. I said like, what? So she said something absolutely fascinating to me. I said, Well, how have you been then? <laughs> sure, it's changed my life. That's what do you mean? She said, You know what? I, I said to you that I wasn't as stupid as people thought I was. But, yeah, she said, Well, I realised something. I wasn't as stupid as I had come to believe I was. Yeah. If you tell somebody often enough that they're shit, they'll start believing it. So she realised that that was not the case for her, and she was worth a bit more. And her life has changed dramatically. And as a young kid, that you see me teaching on the YouTube channel called Dean comes to me with a real attitude. Five lessons later, his attitude is radically different. Just because I've engaged with him in a way that nobody else has up to that point. Uh, for many reasons, but it is it, it, a story that I use. So it's there is another way of doing it and it takes time and it takes persistence and it takes effort, but the rewards are huge because not only will they start feeling good about themselves, you'll start feeling good about yourself too. And you, your your version of self, your self-worth will
0: grow as a consequence of it. It's a fascinating thing. I'm going to play devil's advocate again. Because uh, again, I can hear ten ADIs No, I can hear ten thousand ADIs back in my head, all wanting to ask a similar question. I suppose, hmm. like you mentioned there, about the the student that was saying she's taught herself everything. From my, I think that when you say that, you're going to divide people into. Hmm. There'll be a section of ADIs and PDIs that are like, well, that's good. And then there'll be the other section which are like hear the don't quite hear it the same way. What sure. they hear is you're not allowed to say anything, you're not allowed to ever instruct, you're not allowed to ever give an answer. You've always got to make them find it yourself. There there is
1: that that difficulty. And, and I have seen that from people who well, have engaged with, them and then they go away and think, well, you, you can't give an answer and you can't instruct. I've never at any point say that because sometimes you need to, especially as you're building your skills. It's, it's. I can't remember the last time I had to give instruction, but that's because I've got better at coaching. But if you need to instruct, instruct. And there's nothing wrong with instruction because that can form part of a wider coaching process. Okay, I've talked you through that now. Let's have a little look at what we've learned from it. Nothing wrong with that at all. So I'm not saying you can't do that. And, and there are people who think that coaching is just leaving people alone and letting them you know, get on with it. No, we have an active role because we're in a safety-critical environment. And the level of instruction you, you use would be commensurate with the level of risk that you're in or if you can't create the scenario where i'm just instruct that's that's fine just work on doing more coaching next time that's nothing wrong with that at all and i'm not saying that that you know instruction is the work of the antichrist because it's not But you've got to get from being an instructor to being a coach and there's not a circuit breaker the pop in your head to turn the instruction off so it's a long process but it's worth the journey
0: it's all finding a balance
1: it is it is
0: so I suppose the last big question I want to ask you, and I'm going to ask everyone this that comes on the show. Mm. If you were to give one tip, just one, one piece of advice to ADIs across the UK now, to something they could change, something they could improve on, what one tip or piece of advice would you offer?
1: Learn to use silence. Ask a question and shut up. (laughs) Do not, <clears throat> under any circumstances, as long as it's not safety critical. So you ask a question, and the only person who's allowed to break the silence is the learner. If they're being quiet, they're just thinking. But what we do is we think, oh, they're struggling there. So we ask a supplementary question to try and give a bit more clarity. If you've asked a bad question, just accept it. and Just let the silence do its work. And we then see that there's still nothing coming. So we ask a third question to give a bit of a hint. And then a fourth question to lead them to the answer that you're looking for. Ask a question and remain silent. The learner breaks the silence. You will learn more by being quiet. You'll learn more using your ears than you will using your mouth. So get into that habit. And if you're not getting much from it, turn the finger of blame upon yourself and think, well, that was clearly a bad question. I like it. different one next time. you'll reap the rewards, I promise you.
0: I like it. So um, as we bring this to a close, I will be putting all your uh, links for Facebook and your course and whatnot in the show notes. But is there anything that you want to promote? Where can people find you? That's jolly decent of you (laughs)
1: all-being. People can find me at clientcentredlearning.co.uk. If you look on the store there, there are links to all the stuff that I do. Um, If you're not sure about it, drop me an email bob at client-centered learning i'll answer any questions that you want if you try it you don't like it money back um i'm gagging to get out in the car uh, to do some <laughs> tricking I've, I've been office bound for a year now so i'm, I'm so if you're going for your part two or your part three and you want to help, I'd be happy to do so look me up drop me some questions um client-centered learning on facebook is my group or the driving instructor service that's all the shameless
0: plugs out of the way, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. I know you're on YouTube as well. That's where I first discovered you. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, no, so thank you for your time today. It's been brilliant having you on, picking your brains and, and hearing great. your thoughts. Good stuff. Um, yeah, and we might get you back on for season two to uh, to dive into something else in a bit more depth as well.
1: As if somebody hasn't assassinated
0: me in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, thanks for today, Bob, and, uh, and best of luck for when lessons come back. Right, cheers, Terry. Thank you to Bob Morton. I'm sure you all agree that was fascinating. It's really beneficial for me to be able to pick the brain of someone with the expertise that Bob has. And if I can find that interesting, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there that do. Now, you probably guessed by listening to that, but my opinion on coaching is it is the way forward. And I do think that those of you that are resistant, I hope there's some of you that have Got like a a fresh impetus, a fresh idea around it from this. If you haven't, contact me, contact Bob. You know, our details are in the show notes so you can find us easy enough. And it might just be that you're telling us that you're not happy, you're not going to change, or maybe you want a bit more information. Either way, I genuinely believe that coaching is the way forward for our industry. It's what we need to help try and raise our standards, which in turn will raise the standards of driving on the road so thank you for listening today if you've enjoyed this podcast make sure you click subscribe wherever you're listening so that the next one will drop straight into your podcast feed if you want to get in touch with the show head over at tcdrive.co.uk you can get in touch with me by any method over there and remember let's just keep raising standards and stay safe